to Giganomics, the podcast that's all about the future of work. By 2027, it's estimated that more knowledge-based, skilled labor positions in North America will be occupied by giggers. This means that in any given office, freelancers, fractional contractors, and consultants will outnumber full-time employees. The knowledge-based giggers are the world's fastest growing labor force, and we're here to explore what this means for the world of business, marketing, and technology. Each episode, we'll be talking with business leaders, marketing and tech team leads, freelancers, and consultants in the creative and technology spaces. We'll discuss their perspectives on the benefits, best practices, changes in HR ideology, management philosophies, and of course, the recipes for success. We'll dive deep into the latest trends and insights, as well as the real-world experiences that will help you stay ahead of the curve. So buckle up and get ready to learn from the best in the biz. Thanks for joining us. And now let's dive into the exciting world of Giganomics. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Giganomics, the podcast where we explore all things related to the future of work. I'm your host, Katie Kroll, and in today's episode, we'll be diving into the world of copywriting and how AI is changing the game. Everyone seems to be asking right now, will AI eventually replace my job? With us today to help us unpack this million-dollar question is once again, Selena Pekia, Director of Advisory Services at the Well Creative Consultants. There, Selena is responsible for vetting and onboarding intermediate to senior level creatives and specialists to the Wells freelance roster. She then placed Matchmaker to find suitable opportunities between those specialists and clients. We also have with us Justine Cook. Justine is a freelance copywriter herself, and we thought the perfect person to have on the line in the hot seat as we dive into all things copywriting and AI. Specifically, I think we'll talk about the opportunities and challenges that have and will continue to come with integrating AI into copywriting. So Justine, I'll throw it over to you and maybe you can just tell us a bit more about your history, your background in freelancing, specifically as related to copywriting, of course, and I guess more more so around what that's traditionally looked like for you. Sure. So I have been a copywriter for a um, couple, almost a couple decades now, and it um, had the industry obviously has evolved quite a bit over that time. Um, you know, back in the day, people were employed as copywriters. And then, of course, the gig economy kicked in. And so I have had the experience of being both um, an on-staff writer um, for organizations and a freelancer. So, um, and during that time, I've dipped my toe into a lot of different industries, you know, from health and wellness to tech to business and leadership. So um, I think that one of the things it's important to um, be as a copywriter is um, always curious and always willing to adapt. And I think that um, that ability to adapt is now what we are being faced with again as copywriters with this advent of, of AI. Justine, 
I'll kind of just like start with a high level, open-ended kind of question here, but, and a loaded question, I'm sure, but what do you think is the future of copywriting and how um, AI will impact that? So I think that um, copywriters should be aware that this is something that is already here. It, it's not something that's coming in the future. Um, you know, AI has already been around for other things. It's being used to tweak our writing. We've been using it for that for a number of years. There are all kinds of programs out there that do that. And so the um, evolution, of course, is that now AI is actually writing entire pieces of content. And the question becomes, is it... Can it do that completely by itself? You know, can it completely replace human writers or will there always be a place for a human writer in the world of copywriting? Um, and what does that look like? And I think that's kind of the real question, not whether or not it's coming or not coming. So mm -hmm. I would suggest that we do have to um, start thinking as writers about what our world looks like and the um, corporations, the clients that we deal with, what is their approach to AI and to really learn about what that is. I think right now we're still very much in the wild west of AI and um, it will be up to our clients to some degree to decide how they want to use it if they want to use it and develop policies and that type of thing around it. I think that leads to another interesting point and maybe one that Selena can jump in on here too is what, if anything, have you been hearing from the client side um, in terms of, of all of this and are they bringing it up in conversation when chatting to you about copywriting needs? Are there questions? What are you hearing on your end? Actually, not at all so far. Um, there hasn't been any questions coming in from clients about ChatGPT, and you know, there's there's no questioning um, from clients either the value of having a copywriter or having a, a writer contracted um, as a freelancer for them. So there hasn't been any pushback at all. I haven't noticed anything coming from our clients, um, but I will say that. Bridging off of Justine's point, I agree that I think that there will always be a need for a human to be there. And it's been my own experience, too, playing around with ChatGPT myself, um, writing things up, asking it to make that, that more concise. And by no means am I a writer, so I'm not writing essays or pieces. I may be writing an email that I would have wrote up anyways myself. I wouldn't have hired somebody to write this email, and maybe it's an email to a client or to a specialist. So it's really still me staying within my lane of what my role entails and um, not looking at it to replace the need for a writer, but looking at it as a tool for myself to just help me make something more concise or make it maybe more personable. Now, I will say that when you review what it spits out at you, you're still editing it. I've gotten ChatGPT to make me uh, like four different revisions of the same piece. And I've 
actually highlighted my favorite parts, gone in, mixed things around, rewritten some parts. It has helped me. It is very much so a tool, but you still need that human element. And um, what's interesting too, is I thought about why don't I ask ChatGPT myself? So I, I asked ChatGPT, Chat I said, will AI ever be able to replace the human element? And it gave me a, a, quite a few words, but what stood out to me was, AI cannot replace the human touch that is necessary for truly creative work. Creativity often involves making connections between seemingly unrelated ideas. And this is an area where humans still excel. And then it went on to say that creative work is very subjective. And, um, and then it went on from there. And I thought that those parts really stood out to me. And, and that is what makes humans stand out. And I can tell based on what it spits out for me that um, that, that creativity and the stringing things together is what I was able to offer what it was spitting out for me. And then um, in addition to that, too, I've had my own experience with some airs in what it's produced. And I was reading a book and I decided, okay, this book is great. It's super helpful, but what can I summarize from this book to the most actionable steps for myself? Cause that's, what's going to, I'm a woman of action. So I'm like, how can I turn this into the actionable steps instead of just all this dense information? I need this to be a little bit organized. So that's where AI can come in as well. It can help you organize the piece that you're looking at or the research that you're doing. It can maybe organize things for you. But there were lots of errors. So I'm I'm literally have this book in front of me and I'm saying, can you summarize this particular uh, part, this particular section of the book, these uh, under these headings from this book, the author, etc. And I noticed that it was just completely mixing all of the information around. Like I'm looking at the book in front of me I'm, and I was writing back to ChatGPT. I'm like, no, that is incorrect. That part that you're saying is actually matches with something completely different. So it was just mixing things like topics, proof point, but the proof point was actually for a different topic. Um, so yeah, I've had I've had some fun playing around with ChatGPT, but I also have experienced its limitations myself in those different ways. Hundred percent. That's yeah, a lot of interesting points there. <laughs> I too have done it. Seems to be a common one. Like take this book and summarize it. And, and I wanted to do that for a certain book and it didn't even know that book yet. So this may have been in chat GPT's fairness. It might've been, uh, like a book, uh, written too new. It, it, it didn't, it wasn't in kind of that pocket of timing that it can pull from. Um, anyways, it, it certainly does have its limitations. And that I think is a, a key example. Um, you know, a lot of different ways we could take this, but I guess something that I'm curious about, Justine, is um, I guess, first of all, we heard from Selena and how she really hasn't heard much from the client side of things. And I'm assuming also um, hasn't seen a decrease in, in the search or the looking for creative um, copywriters. So Justine, what are you hearing from your clients? Are they asking you all about it? Are they wondering how you're using it? If you're using it, what's that look like on your end? 
Well, I, a lot of um, individuals that I know who are, you know, marketing managers and that type of thing, I think are experimenting with it right now. So they're saying, you know, I have an example where a marketing manager I, I knew um, wrote a social media post and then asked ChatGPT to write a social media post. And then she asked it to um, write some web copy for, you know, a homepage and, you know, then ask ChatGPT to do it. And as a, as a little experiment, she showed both of those types of copy to her client without telling the client which, you know, which was which. Yeah. And just as a sort of a blind experiment. And interestingly, the client said that the this particular um, content piece that ChatGPT had generated sounded a little bit robotic, strangely. So I think that um, the bottom line is I think what people are doing, and it depends on the industry um, as well, are they're experimenting with it right now. So marketing teams are trying to figure out what it can do for them. And I think depend it's going to depend on what industry you're in, the type of um, the type of content that you're creating, how sophisticated is it? Are, are you a sales business? There's so many different factors that I think impact whether or not um, AI is going to be useful for, um, for your business. So, you know, experts like Neil Patel sort of point out that AI generated content can optimize, you know, you, it can use optim, it can optimize your web content for search engines. It can, you know, create data driven research and it can take all of those insights on users and collect everything across different platforms and then use that to um, produce content that reflects the audience's preferences and needs and that type of thing. So you can see how it could create some very highly targeted and relevant, according to Google, content. So I think you can use it in those situations to do things like tweak your headlines, tweak your calls to action. Um, it can create hundreds of variations that you could test so in, or you could use it to create product descriptions, keyword generation. Um, there's, there are certain industries where it's going to be quite good at doing that sort of more automated content. And I think that um, even social media for some types of industries, more corporate style messaging, um, I do think that it could probably pull that off. Um, you know, I think that, so I would say people are still trying it out. I haven't had a lot of, it hasn't become an issue for me yet, personally. Um, I just am hearing sort of through the grapevine what people are, are doing with it. I think that the accuracy issue is something that may really scare a lot of people off of AI um, because you know, if something can be really fast and really efficient, but if you have to proofread every single thing to make sure that there are no mistakes, it's a big problem. So now you've got, um, you know, let's just do, let's just sort of say, okay, marketing manager decides to rely on chat GPT a lot more, get sort of some 
some writers or editors. Now this marketing manager is having to review all of this copy and proofread it themselves, you know, which takes up a ton of time. And, you know, we, we just, we know that chat GPT is not entirely accurate. Um, I was reading a story in the Washington post that, uh, one particular organization, it was a news organization, wrote a bunch of uh, news stories and didn't sort of quietly wrote them and then just like published them on their website. And they were full of mistakes, including one that it didn't calculate compound interest correctly. So there's some really basic stuff there that it is not getting. And so I think that that is going to um, deter um, certain businesses from wanting to go down this road un until some of those kinks can at least be worked out. The other thing about it is that, um, you know, uh, it, it can't always detect things like um, bias or racism or mm -hmm. uh, hate speech, you know, and there have been some fairly well publicized examples of that. So, you know, those kinds of things are extremely problematic for, you know, my clients. Um, so I think it's going, I would say it's, it really depends on your industry and on um, the type of, the type of content that you're creating, whether it's going to be super valuable and save you a lot of time, at least at this, at this time in its evolution. You were chatting about how, you know, your example of, okay, we just cleared all copywriters, saving all this money, we're using chat GPT. It's kind of like just like a deferral of needs and different types of jobs. Like, okay, that one, like maybe you can get some baseline, good enough copy, but now there's a different job. There's this editing job. And I think the point you had made in a, a previous conversation we had was not all marketing managers, not all people for that, you know, sake have proper grammar and editing skills. So it's still it, it like it, it's it's not like you're just getting rid of this one thing, replacing it with this AI technology. And like you're still left with kind of bases not covered. So. It's true. There's there's so much. Um, there will always be a need for a human to make judgment calls, whether that's about um, the way a sentence is written, or whether it's about subtleties of contextual stuff that's going to change the tone. So there there will I think what um, writers will likely you know in the future be called upon to do is. They will, I think, become more editors, curators, and amalgamators of content. That So some content might be created by an AI, but you're still going to have to have the human being there to ensure, for example, that the, the style in which the content is written is engaging and creative. So what I mean by that, for example, is that um, it tends to write in a very um, standard format. So good writers may have long sentences and short sentences. You know, they introduce short sentences for emphasis. And 
chat GPT, generally the sentences are all the same length. So um, there are all kinds of stylistic things that it doesn't mm -hmm. do. You're always going to probably have to have a human there to introduce those elements of imagination, those elements of emotion. And when you're whether you're trying to sell something or you're trying to convince something, someone of a point, um, emotion is your, it's a huge part of the dynamic always. And AI does not have emotion. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can ask it to do something in a certain style or with a certain tone, but it's never going to be the same as having a human that's injecting that very specific contextual emotion for that situation. And so that's why I think that um, it's even for, even for things like sales copy, you're still always going to want to have a human that's, that's tweaking it um, for that, for that reason. So it's wow. just not original. Uh, something that I, I was thinking about the other day, and I think that what might what we might see over the next year or two, as more and more organizations start experimenting with ChatGPT, is or or any AI, because of course there are several of them that are you know coming on stream currently, is that what you could end up with is a situation where you have industries saying, you know, um, different companies within the same industry having content or sales copy or um, headlines or any, think of any kind of copy that all looks exactly the same because, they, <laughs> because all these, in, you know, all these companies within the same industry have asked chat GPT or whoever to generate their content for them. So then you, it's very possible that if you aren't overseeing this and tweaking it so that it meets your brand style and guidelines, that you're going to end up with a lot of copy that's just really the same out there. Mm -hmm. And then of course, that's the last thing you want in a business because you want to differentiate yourself from everyone else. So it could have a, it, it just could really backfire. I think if, if people are not careful and they're just looking to the bottom line at the cost aspect versus the um, quality of the content itself. Yeah, that is such a good point. I mean, at the end of the day, as you were saying, you both brought up a couple times, this emotion, um, emotional element that AI just in, um, I heard someone refer to it this way, like until chat GPT or AI, whatever it is, gets a heartbeat, like it will never replace people. People um, connect with other people. They sell to other people. They buy from other people. At the end of the day, um, I mean, we say it now, who knows what can or will happen, but um, I'm just not sure how that will ever, that, that element and that touch could or, or would ever be replaced. That was so juicy, Justine. That was so, so well said and all encompassing. 
And um, it reminds me of also back to when I was playing around with it as well. And um, I punched in a target audience. I'm like, let me see how well it does catering things to target audiences. So I described the target audience and verbatim in the writing, it said, this is targeted towards da -da 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 -da, or this is for like, it maybe made it sound a little bit more snazzy, but it was read. It was writing out who it, who this was for. Mm -hmm. And to your point about just having that emotional or, and those, those sensitivities, that's what a good writer does. A good writer really meets with the client's, he tries to immerse themselves in the topic, in the goals of the organization. A good writer is asking a lot more questions than what I think ChatGPT or these other AI platforms can capacitate. I think there's only really so much that you can punch in to a a these AI writing um, platforms. I think there's only so much that you could really plug into it. Um, and I've seen as well, you know, the more that you plug in, the more it just kind of stutters and comes to a halt and it'll stop producing for you at a certain point. It'll maybe cater its piece to the first few things that you punched in there. And then it'll come to a halt when it gets confused about maybe the last few. And you really can't ask AI to be sensitive towards a certain uh, demographic to an extent that a human has experienced that. So yeah, I, I love all the points that you've made and it's just interesting. Uh, I, I'm smiling and glowing because of just my experiences with playing around with it and just knowing what is possible myself as well, representing freelancers and connecting them with clients. Um, I know what's possible. I know what our, our specialists are capable of when they meet with a client and how many questions they are asking, um, questions you wouldn't even have thought of. And to the point of seeing what's possible with maybe marketing managers uh, delving into AI and chat GPT, time time and qualifications and experience are of the essence. Um, managing ChatGPT would just be another hat for a marketing manager to wear. So um, maybe in the future, if I can just speculate, maybe it would be a role. Maybe it might become a role where they're, they're welcoming somebody into the marketing team just as an AI editor. And this person is like fully committed to just editing for AI and just producing and, and editing. And, and maybe, maybe that could be another freelance opportunity. Um, bridging off your point earlier of an editor, like maybe, maybe marketing teams will contract freelancers to just look after editing AI, because I doubt that's going to be a hat that anybody else wants to wear, especially if they're not fully qualified and have those stylistic um, elements in there. I think that's such a great point, and it points to the evolution of the role of what a copywriter is and to, you know, coming full circle to, okay, copywriters, like, what are, you know, what does this mean for you? I think it does mean potentially evolving into this kind of hybrid role 
of being an editor, a writer, amalgamator of the um, the materials that are generated either by writers or, you know, by um, AI itself. And, you know, at the end of the day, what we do as creatives is we tell stories. Stories are known to be one of the best ways to convey ideas, to convince people, um, to convince people of your point and to, to win people over. And those stories are, they, they are more effective if they're specific and if they're real. And if they aren't just generated by an algorithm that has come up with something, you know, people can tell the difference. There is a spark to something that's real. It could be a geographic reality. You know, you're telling a story about something that happened to someone in Atlantic Canada. And it's a story about, it, it's a story that, that could really only happen to someone in Atlantic Canada for cultural reasons or otherwise. These stories are what make um, us unique as individuals, you know, as organizations. These are what, this is what people remember. So I do think that um, we're definitely not there yet with AI and we're, there's always going to be room for these deeply specific stories um, in everyone's business. And, and uh, so I think that writers will, will always have a role. Um, it, it's going to evolve, but I think that um like you said, as long as there people have, you know, as long as there are hearts involved, yeah. we need to win them over. <laughs> so, if no robots, then AI won't, <laughs> just won't be able to cut it. I actually was listening to, um, I don't know if I read it or listened to it somewhere, but it was kind of this analogy of, um, of design and someone being, you know, saying, I use Canva. If I just want something that is, it looks good. It's kind of there. It's quick and easy. It's, it's a good kind of lesser option. It gets you by, it gets the job done. It, it does it well. It does it to how you would expect it. But if I want this knockout, you know, bang up job, original piece, that's going to speak volumes to something, I would hire a graphic designer. It's just, it's two different things. And they kind of went on to say that if you have a really horrible copywriter, ChatGPT might be able to do a better job than them. So it's not about like who's replacing who or anything like that. It's, it's, it's about staying relevant. It's about using the, you know, AI as a support tool it's not a, a question of replacing. It's about how will you integrate it? How will you make, how will it help you make you better at your job? How will you evolve with it? Um, so I thought that was all really interesting and it made a lot of sense. I think when all this AI stuff came out and it at first really did seem to be heavy hitting on specifically copywriters. Now it's everything. Now AI is going to replace everything and everyone. I've heard it used in almost all industries and scenarios at this point, including in hospitals. And, and you know, in some places, sure, yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, I think at the beginning, it just, 
it was a bit of like this fear mongering almost like just the media just like taking these headlines creating mass panic and we're all kind of waking up to it now we're like this actually doesn't make sense like it actually can't do all that and what's interesting is that um i would see a lot on social media being like ai is going to create the next wave of more millionaires than anyone has ever seen because everyone can become these copywriters and start their own, you know, copywriting agency and it's so quick and efficient. And, but the thing is, is that all those people claiming that are not copywriters. Like you said, the nuances that only a true good copywriter would have, like you said, these stylistic approaches and details that people who aren't copywriters read and they just read it and recognize it as good copy, but they don't see all these tricky little things you guys are doing behind the scenes to make it this vibrant, relatable storytelling piece. So yeah, a little bit of a rant, but I, I think it, the question, you know, that I asked in the intro or that we kind of stated as the intro to this episode, will AI replace copywriters? So dramatic, but I think people are starting to see through that. Yeah, I think I'm hoping that that is, whenever there's a new technology, it's always this kind of rush to mm-hmm. imagine what the possibilities are. And I think that's normal. Um, and I think specifically, you know, with um, AI and copywriting, I think that what I urge people do is to use it as a brainstorming tool is to, you know, because it can come up sometimes with some things. Oh yeah. I didn't think of that or whatever. You know, it's great for top 10 lists of, of very known information. So for example, if I'm writing a top 10 article about the vet, the, you know, top vegetables with vitamin C, well, that's every you know that's that's information that's knowable out there um that's easy you know or the most popular businesses of 2022 well you know it's going to be really good at helping with that kind of very basic knowable information but if i'm writing something more nuanced open to misrepresentation of facts or data or that has these subtle contextual elements you know it could it's going to be another another story not to mention that um, I think you said, Katie, that it, that the AI didn't know the book that you were reading. Well, it it ChatGPT's information base only goes to September of 2022. So, if you're writing a piece that um, in which you want to incorporate very recent topical information, it's not going to be able to help you. So, um, I think that's another really important point for um people to know absolutely absolutely i think we've covered a lot of really good stuff here um Lena, i think you had made a, a point about maybe one last juicy um thing we could touch on um i think you had some kind of s- story about um samsung worker some kind of article Yes. So I was reading an article recently about um, Samsung and they were using um, AI to help them. And what happened was they were leaking a lot of information about their coding 
to ChatGPT. They were they were using it to help them with their tasks, and then they were actually leaking a lot of information in the process. And when you think about AI, you have to think that the way that it gets smarter is by the users using it. That's that's the way that it gets smarter. So anything that I'm putting into it, any of my personal information, it could maybe make an article for somebody else, like based on like if imagine going back to my example earlier, when I was asking it to summarize sections of the book that I was reading. I told it that it was wrong and now it corrected that. So now the next person that asks for those summarizations, that will be in those, those corrections will likely be in that. Um, and, and the AI had an ability to recognize and agree with me and say, Oh, you're right. That was wrong. I will correct that. Well, what if I'm, what if I'm punching anything into that? What if I'm saying like the whole Wikipedia crisis that was happening like a few years ago where people were just um, editing, like openly editing articles and and people like myself who are going maybe to Wikipedia back in that time to write you know, an essay off of back in the school days, um, that could be really confusing. And that still requires a professional to seep through that. So yeah, to the to the Samsung point, um, there is a leak of information that's happening every single time that you, the user, is using it. And to your point, Katie, there's so many different types of AI. So you're, you're totally right. This is not an episode just about copywriting. It, it, the same principles can be applied to design. Um, there's even a note taker that we use, which is called Fred Fireflies, and he takes notes. And I remember at the beginning when I would go to the summaries of what he would produce, I would look at the summaries and I'd be like, well, this isn't useful at all. <laughs> to where he's gotten now, I'm like, well, I never have to take notes on my calls, but there's still flaws within that. I'm seeing that um, it's showing that there was only one speaker the whole time, but there was five different people on the call. It's mishmashing information together. But when I see those summaries and I see what AI considers as important or noteworthy, it's interesting. There's discrepancies in that. Mm -hmm. um, and I bet that they are using those pieces of, of what they're collecting from, from my meetings. Maybe that's going to show up in somebody's essay one day in in their their high school turn it in paper. So it's yeah. it's questionable. And and I've always had difficulty um, with with AI coming out. I'm like, isn't that kind of plagiarism? Like if we're all going to have the same result at the end of it, um, Justine, to your point from earlier, that the copy is going to look a lot the same. You know. It's gonna. It's it's a beautiful thing because it's allowing us to all step up into our authenticity, mm. and it's separating the the freelancers who maybe are doing it out of necessity, necessity based freelancers. This is something we touched upon in our very first introductory ep episode with Sammy, and he detailed uh, the necessity based freelancer that that's maybe just doing it in between jobs just to make some extra cash. Those are the people that are talking about, Oh, you're going to be a millionaire. If you start opening up a writing agency, well, where's the passion? Because humans are fueled by passion. 
So that's where I see the separation of authenticity and passion and those the true human elements in there versus people that are just engaging with these tools to make some quick cash. So it's allowing us, it's a beautiful time because maybe, you know, the robots can do all the boring stuff. And (laughs) if the robots can help me with my job at the well, let's go because then I can just keep refining my job to solve complex problems. I can use my human to solve creative, complex problems, come up with solutions that AI can't help me with. Because I, Selena, know all the information that there is to know in my department, in my role, um, and it cannot be replicated. So, yeah, authenticity. Authenticity for the win. That's what I say. That's like a (laughs) must-drop moment. We cannot touch or top that little extra piece. I'm glad we went into that Samsung piece. That's the good news, everybody. Authenticity always wins in this day and age. When everybody told you when you were growing up that you had to be the same and you had to fit in, now this is the time for your human to be different. Oh, girl, look at you go. <laughs> nice <laughs> optimistic <laughs> note. Nice <laughs> optimistic note to end it all on. I know. <laughs> happy and positive episode. Written <laughs> in a positive <laughs> tone. <laughs> Speaking of tones. Optimistic tone. There we go. There we go. Well, yeah, we certainly can't top that piece. So let's let's call it, ladies. Thank you so much, uh, Selena, for coming back. Always love having you in, in the group chat. And Justine, it's so lovely to have you on with us. You, you know, gave such a good insight, insightful approach um, or outlook for how how this is looking and sounding and feeling in in the lens of copywriters themselves so we love to hear that you are growing and adapting and evolving but most importantly staying authentic keeping that heartbeat into the writing and i think you're gonna be just fine (laughs) that was very fun thank you ladies Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Katie. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Giganomics. We hope you found some golden nuggets about the future of work that you can take and apply to your own career, team, or company. If you're feeling inspired by anything you heard here today and you want to connect further, drop us a line at giganomics at gotothewell.ca. If you want to take your freelance career to the next level or you're a business looking to get the most out of the gig labor force, we're here to help. Fill out a form at gotothewell.ca slash giganomics, which will be linked in the show notes below. Don't forget to leave a comment on what resonated most with you today and hit subscribe so you can always stay ahead of this ever-changing landscape. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next time on Giganomics.